Bloom, welcome back to our podcast, Being Bloom, our first series, which is depression and aloneness within the community of faith. With us in the series, we have Laurie Marcelin, who is a licensed professional counselor. So Laurie, thank you again for joining us for part two of this depression and aloneness series. Um, it's good to have you. Thanks. It's really good to be back and just to continue the work together towards supporting the community. As we said before, this podcast is not to be used as a diagnosis tool. Rather, our hope is that it creates a space for awareness of of what may be going on both within us as individuals and in our community. It's also going to be followed up with a teaching experience and connection groups later on in the summer. So for now, what we would like to do is to give voice and to validate this feeling of aloneness and depression that many of us have felt throughout the past year. Also, what we said in the last episode is that it just didn't feel right to release this podcast before the time that we did. As people have previewed it and um, interacted with it, it does feel like this is the time to uh, start looking at the state of our souls and that sense of aloneness and depression. It may have been a little too overwhelming in the past year. And as we're moving into this sense of coming back together and uh, as we're perhaps seeing the, the social structures that we left behind be revisited, I think that we have a little bit more capacity to talk. That's not to say that this next season won't be difficult. I think in a lot of ways it will be just as difficult as what we've gone through, but just for different reasons. But we'll talk about that. In this session, what we wanted to talk about is the causes of depression. If Lori, if you could just give us a quick recap. In the last episode, we talked about the nervous system and we talked about that felt sense of aloneness mm-hmm. uh, can even be felt within a community, within a group of people. If you could just recap uh, that for those who perhaps didn't listen to the first episode or those that listened to it a while back. Mm-hmm. I think in light of what we're going to talk about today, the causes um, and that disconnect that we've all experienced beyond COVID, right? Just throughout our whole culture. I think maybe the most important thing to understand is when we're looking at how we have been designed, we're designed for connection within ourselves, with other people, with the divine, with nature, with our full story. And when we have not had that experience, we often drop into, and last time we talked about the Mm -hmm. ladder, and that nervous system sense of dropping into feeling anxiety, which is I'm feeling a threat and I'm not feeling safe within myself. And then when that just starts to feel inescapable, we drop into that really low place in our nervous system, which is this is inescapable. And we drop into disconnect dissociation and depression. So when we talk about how we might be feeling right now collectively and individually, we're really seeing this play out. In fact, Adam Grant just wrote an article about this sense of languishing, which is kind of running through. And um, in this amazing book club that I am part of within the Bloom community, that article was shared and languishing is also just that sense of dropping into Mm. that disconnect feeling 
So we just wanted to honor this is where we're at and name it. And honestly, just by naming where we're at right now, it helps us come back to that place. Last session, we talked about the top of the ladder where I start feeling like, oh, I understand. I have a sense of connection with what's happening. And that in and of itself, by just naming it, we start to feel more grounded, more centered, and more more connected to what's happening within ourselves and with one another. There was a drug commercial on the TV the other day, and um, it wasn't for a depression or anxiety drug. It was for something like joints. But um, it ended with this 60-year-old man kayaking in this like beautiful hmm. setting, water, cliffs. And um, I, I had to tell Janie that the, this response I had to that commercial was like, that'll never happen again. Like that sense of freedom and beauty and healedness that they're conveying in that commercial. Like there's something in me that's checked that out of the realm of possibilities for me. Mm. And I've just been more aware of that lately that it's um, this something in me switched. Like we won't have the freedom that we used to. We won't enjoy our lives. You know, I won't. That, yeah, there's happiness, but it's all held within this like really dark space mm. when before it was like limitless possibilities, you know? Yeah. And I've talked to a friend, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so that anything that feels confining is like, or controlling is almost impossible to deal with. But I just wonder when that's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And I hear the same sentiment from people at Bloom that, yeah, there's good days, but they're held within this dark snow globe. Mm. Possibilities, inspiration, vastness, expanse, it's all been limited. And I just wanted to hear from you from a clinical perspective, from a professional perspective, what happened to us Mm. in 2020 and 2021? What happened? What do you see are these things that started to just chip away at our souls, even if we weren't aware of it or we thought we were resilient at the time? What do you see those things as being? Mm I'm just feeling the impact of what you just said. Just my nervous system is resonating with (laughs) yours. Just taking that in, just noting the fragility, right? That's always an indicator of trauma, which is not necessarily an external event. It's an overwhelming emotional experience that we haven't had an opportunity or we weren't Mm -hmm. allowed an opportunity to fully process. When you said, when will we notice possibility again, or can we, or have creativity, or even that sense of reconnection, which is something I really want us to talk about today, mm-hmm. that is that top of the ladder, right, where when we get back to safety, we've come out of that disconnection, either through depression or anxiety, and we start to understand and see the world and feel the world is safe again. And it's not a conscious, right? We're not darting our eyes back and forth necessarily, but our nervous system is looking for any indicators of threat. So as I say that, it makes me think about all of the things that we might be looking at, be it commercials or social media that might be charging our nervous system to continue that 
jarring sense of it's not safe, right, outside mm -hmm. of ourselves. So what we want to do is give ourselves space individually within our families and also in the community of how can we allow ourselves to reconnect in a variety of ways so that we can begin to see possibility and create and connect in, in deeper ways. So one of the things that you asked was like, you know, what happened, what's been happening? And I almost feel like I'm stating the obvious, but I also do want to just recognize what the year, year and a half has been for us. You know, we actually have gone through a cultural trauma, um, just this overwhelming emotional experience that we haven't processed fully. Some people just want to go back to normal. They want to forget, and that's a normal, natural reaction. But there's something essential for us, our emotional self, spiritual self, relational self, that we do need to name it again, just to recognize we see it, we experienced it, and now it's over. You know, we also are an independent nation. White America is very, oh, it won't happen to us, it happens to other countries. And then it happened to us. And our independence, which is such a flagstone of our culture, we couldn't be independent. We couldn't live in the myth anymore that this stuff doesn't happen to us. There was helplessness. We didn't know mm. what was happening. A sense of grief in the Harvard Business Review, there's a researcher that just talked about there's this palpable sense of collective grief in our nation. And we're all experiencing it in a variety of ways. There's fear, right? That the sense of, is it, is it going to happen to us? Will it happen to us? It did happen to us. Um, even just this unknown longevity. We were told in the beginning, I think you mentioned that before, like, it's two weeks. It'll just be two weeks. And here we are, months later, just making the disease and the surrounding decisions and precautions political rather than scientific has really played into it, as well as just the threat of job loss and income, food insecurity, shelter insecurity, you know, just the whole home thing, you know, yes. of taking care of kids, schooling kids, and doing our jobs while watching said kids. That's just a crazy amount of stress that we've gone through. There's something, a phenomenon called skin hunger, wherein a lot of people experience social distancing as emotional distancing, but there was lack of touch. We were actually told, don't touch people. And we actually have on our skin a hunger to be touched. And we were told that to stay safe, we had to forego. And so a lot of people are running around or walking around with a lot of skin hunger right now. And just even the whole phenomenon of wearing a mask, of not seeing a full half of someone's face, mm -hmm. having to listen to words and that are being yelled through fabric or, or paper, that disconnects us in a really unique way. We don't know how to read the social cues of people who are covered. So that's a quick trip, and I just want to invite yeah. us all to take a 
breath right now because that's a lot. And I didn't even name the individual issues, right? But these were the collective kind of realities that we have walked through or endured or are still going through for an incredible long time and we still don't know when it's over. Yeah, it's a litany of horrible things. It is a litany of horrible things. I mean, you're listing these things out and I'm just feeling heavier and heavier. Mm -hmm. We talked um, last week about that, even um, within us, that feeling of, is this actually hard? Or are we making it hard? I mean, it's not as hard as what past generations have gone through. Why is it? It's just a pandemic, you know? And you see the word pandemic in a textbook and, and think, okay, people died and that's sad. But then you don't think about all the societal implications, the faith implications, political implications, everything interpersonal. Relationships are torn and frayed and distanced. And it's those things that make it so hard or have made it so hard. Just to hear you list it, it feels heavy. And I'm wondering if um, those listening feel that weight and and if we could take time to invite the presence of God into this conversation to those yeah. that are listening into this room as well and to, and to let that that levity of Christ come and and speak to us so we could just take a breath as you said spirit just to be here and ground us it's the thing we're not doing we're not taking a breath we're not taking a moment because there's so much to handle and or we zip to the next very next thing and to slow down to breathe just that practice of breath and in the faith community, the practice of breath and prayer mm. restores us back to that sense of safety and it restores us back to a sense of grounding. And I would just continue to invite people who are listening, the most healing, grounding thing we can do is to take a nice, big, deep breath into our belly and then to exhale a little longer. Then we inhale so that we start just to allow our nervous system to get back online and remind us what we're doing and where we're at. That breath that you speak about, I do hope that the church can be a space within our society that invites people to breathe, to pause, to be still, because again, none of this is normal. It wasn't normal when society shut down. It's not normal when it seems to be starting back up. We need a space of peace and serenity, of presence. And I do um, carry that, and our, and our staff and our leadership carry that. 
uh, as we as we go forward into our services into our house churches and times of prayer that the church has to be a place that calls people to breathe to reflect to feel you know we're not no, none of us are okay and that doesn't mean that we're bad it doesn't mean that everything is hard it doesn't mean that you know the future is dark but it just means that we need to be held and cared for and seen in greater measure that's what the church does that's what Christ leads us to become as we focused on our podcast last night that we would be the full expression of the love of Christ mm. both to ourselves to each other and to those around us if there's anything i take away from this so we have to be gentle to ourselves mm-hmm. and allow that space to to draw us into a place of peace i think a life changing moment for me was hearing a teaching about the Hebrew name, Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, meaning breath. Mm. And I remember just being so struck by the beauty of in creation and also in the Trinitarian God, knowing that ruach or breath is such an essential part of who we are in our own selves and collectively. So as you talk about coming together in community to leave space and to take in that ruach or that breath, the spirit. It's such an integrated, vibrant concept about how spiritual health and emotional health connect and tie together. Going back to your question about why are we experiencing this difficulty or or disconnection or depression as a culture and as a community. I looked at um, the work of Johan Hari. He's a journalist and a researcher. He wrote an interesting book called Lost Connections, focusing on depression. And he did significant research with a huge community in the physical, emotional health world. And he really focused on this concept of lost connections leading us to depression, right? And that was that lower rung on the ladder we talked about in the first session. And he lays out that we could insert the word disconnection for depression. He talked about disconnection from meaningful work. That doesn't necessarily mean just the work we're paid for, but just this sense of meaning in how we contribute. Also disconnections from other people. We've talked over and over about that and how we've been disconnected in a variety of ways. Disconnections from meaningful values. And he really focused on that oftentimes people who focus on extrinsic money, status, Hmm. rather than the intrinsic um, love, connection, faith, are really disconnected from those meaningful values. And that contributes to depression. Also disconnection from childhood trauma, right? We can't even remember, but our body remembers everything. Um, And so being disconnected from stories that might have been about what happened to us in childhood, if that's Mm -hmm. applicable. Disconnection from status and respect, that sense of being seen and recognized and valued within a community disconnection from the natural world. I actually love that one. Um, 
when we aren't able to be in the natural world, it, it really does impact our sense of safety. And finally, a disconnection from a hopeful or secure future, which is very much what you were just talking about with the commercial. And so when Hari researched all this, he just found compelling evidence that there's a pattern here when we experience depression. It doesn't have to be all of these, but it certainly can be um, one or more. And I think about what I just listed in terms of what we've experienced in 2020 and 2021. It's every one of these for many of us. Yeah, again, as you're listing these areas of disconnection, it really is every one of them that we've collectively experienced in the past year and a half. And and so this happened. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to say we need to reconnect. And that's good and beautiful. And, and even in Bloom, we have a commitment to shared life that we are intimately bound with one another and what we believe is that through the spirit, we're, we've been made one with each other. So there's this massive dissonance between the spiritual reality, the eternal reality, and then what we're experiencing in the temporal. So how does that start to become one? That our sensed and felt reality becomes spiritual reality. We talked about this probably a year ago on our guided liturgy podcast that we're living in this scent and we're reading about the book of Acts, how people are just together and they're holding each other's lives and burdens and, and dreams and futures and how that felt reality just mapped right on to the eternal reality for them. And then there's our story that although we have been made one, although we are in reality one, that does not feel true. So shared life is all of a sudden this like almost unattainable commitment. And the crazy thing is now that we have the chance to start coming back together, says, you know, the powers that be, says we can come back together and start reforming those patterns of relationship. What I've noticed is that many of us don't want to. We even have a dynamic in Bloom where those who were gathered at the table weekly have expressed a desire not to exit that season because it's in that place they felt the peace and the mm -hmm. solace and the presence of Christ amidst so much that was changing and unpredictable and scary and hard. And so even as people are coming back, there's this tension between those who were already there and those who are rejoining. And I'm sure we'll move past that, but I'm just speaking to something that's really visceral in us. There's people that I've talked to that they've been isolated for a year and a half, wanting so desperately for it to end. And then it's apparently ending and there's no desire to reconnect. It's just not there. So I'm not trying to make this heavy and hard. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to ask the question as clearly mm -hmm. as I can. Mm -hmm. How do we move back into our commitment of shared life? How do we reconnect when the desire may not be there as much as we want it to. And the sense of safety that we got from those patterns that we adopted during the isolation feel like they're being threatened. And, and whatever reason, how do we move towards that? How do we move towards reconnection? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to the next podcast that when we talk about just how beautiful 
the Gospels and the liturgy are so mm-hmm. set up for reconnection and safety, just beautifully crafted. So yeah, I do want to come back to, I tend to think that, you know, the Acts 2 church, I remember running around church I used to go to saying, this is what we need to be. <laughs> and I remember someone saying, yeah, and there's Acts 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, <laughs> where they had to do the hard work. And sometimes I romanticize that sense of the Acts 2 church and think they just all came together and they skipped mm-hmm. and they hugged and they shared food willingly and there was not a problem amongst them. And I think, slow down, stop. That was hard work. It was in the middle of a violent, aggressive oppression. It was in the middle of condemnation and martyrdom. It was in the middle of such visceral pain and sacrifice. And it drove them to come together because that's what they had. And I wonder how we might consider graciously and compassionately, again, always starting within ourselves, and then really noting and welcoming with intention those who come back into the building, Mm -hmm. come back to the table. How might we minister to ourselves and to one another and allow ourselves to be ministered to? in this reconnection, to remember that the Acts 2 church, absolutely, they were so gathered, they were so spirit-filled and led, and they worked hard for it. And I think we have to give ourselves compassion in one step forward at a time to really, you know, just practically, what's the next right thing I can do in terms of connecting and reconnecting with my family or what do I need to reconnect with the church community or what do I need to make that feel safe and welcoming and as practical as I can be it might mean asking can someone meet me there right can I who will be there so I know that there's someone I'm going to see and connect with within the church, right? So those are completely practical things, but I think we have to really recognize we can't go right back to where we were in February 2020. It's not going to be that. It's going to take the next right thing, and then the next right thing, and the next right thing, and seeking to find ways to reconnect with deep intention, whether it's reconnecting at church, reconnecting with nature, right? Reconnecting with values of love and connection and faith, like going back to those very basic reconnections, knowing that in time, you know, day by day, week by week, however you want to metricize it, we will slowly come back, especially when we come back with the intention of reconnecting Mm -hmm. and finding places where we can remember what we used to love, what did bring us joy, who was safe, and, and finding ways to 
intentionally re-entering our lives. Yeah. And you, I love that you're talking about mindful reconnection and intentional steps. You know, as we close this episode, not that we want to throw a model or a, some linear process on, on top of folks, but here we have you here. You are a therapist. You work with people every day. Is there any practical steps like you talk about take the next step that's in front of you is there anything that you could could give us to hold on to as we do with intention try to reconnect as we move towards that place of shared life i want to give permission to first and foremost recognize this is not linear Mm -hmm. it's not linear for any of us it's going to be a squiggly line that goes back And just when we think we're moving forward, we might find ourselves overwhelmed or feeling unsafe for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I just want to remind all of us, this is not linear. We can't attain a goal and think, okay, now we're here, right? We have to know like some days it's going to be easy. We're going to reconnect. We're going to go kayaking, we're going to do all of these amazing things, and the next day it's going to be too much. And just recognize that that's part of the healing process as well. It's not going backward. I think we also have to recognize the power of just small incremental goals or steps that we can take first for ourselves. I think just honor and recognize, like, this is where I'm at and communicate that maybe with someone or just journal it, but just the power of saying, here's where I'm at today. And I just want to recognize that. And um, again, I know I use the word compassion a lot, but this is a time where we have to keep exercising, I believe, a spiritual practice of compassion for ourselves and one another. We always want to say, reach out for help. If your next step just feels completely unknown or impossible and it just feels too much, reach out for help to a friend, to a therapist, to someone who can really walk alongside you. And just start connecting with people. Even introverts need people Our nervous systems need to know we're seen and known and safe. So stay comfortable for yourself, but find ways to make eye contact or small talk with baristas or restaurant people or your family. And that's a completely, if that's where you're at, that's a completely good space to start. You may notice a little anxiety, a little discomfort, just breathe through it and see if you can just stay engaged with someone. I'm so excited that spring is here, although it's Colorado spring, so (laughs) we never know what day is going to be what. But we know that if we can be in the sun, just that vitamin D for 10 to 15 minutes, it really does help us connect with nature. There are people that even say, go barefoot in the grass. Sounds Mm -hmm. weird, but it actually is a really healing practice. Even just fresh foods, you know, just enjoying the beauty and the bounty of the season. And again, just the beauty of breath. It's not going to heal us, but what it does is it helps regulate and helps us remember that we're safe. 
So those are the things we can do for ourselves. I love that. Mm. I love when you say, just take the next step that's in front of you. Because although the state of our souls and the state of society may feel overwhelming, we can't just take the next step. So we do encourage all those at Bloom and those who are listening to, uh, to give yourself permission to feel and to take the space and the time to process, to pray, to reach out to those in your life that are safe, that love you. That's what shared life looks like in, in a setting in which we find ourselves. And I love that you referenced the early church. You know, it wasn't that they were just fine with everything. It wasn't that the Roman government was, was super encouraging and nice. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they did have uh, struggles both externally and internally. I mean, they had the same stuff that we deal with today, but they, they shared life together and it was beautiful. And so it can be for us. So I do find it inspiring to hold that as a realistic picture of what we could be and that we get there by just being faithful. Hmm. It's one foot in front of the other. And so much of that, you know, when you said it's not going to be a linear process, I was thinking mine's more of a circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nowadays, I feel like I just keep going around the track. And uh, yeah, I, I know that this is the turn where I'm happy. This is the turn where I'm frustrated. Yeah. This is the turn where I'm hopeful. Here's the turn where I want to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, but it's that for me, and I know you've, ref, you've said this in so many words, it's knowing that Christ is present in all of it that there's not one second of our lives that we're alone. So that great connectedness that we experience through Christ is available to us mm-hmm. with each other. And um, it's the spirit that draws us to that connection with each other. It's helpful to, you know, just to go revisit a life-giving habit that you had before the disconnection. You know, maybe a brewery, it may be a park, it may be you know, a certain place that you like to, um, to meet someone for a walk. I, I don't know, but just reclaiming those habits that were kind of off limits for a while. Mm-hmm. There's a coffee shop that I nowadays like just to go sit to remember, oh, this is where I experienced so much life and conversation. I'll probably go to a pub that has been a part of my life for, geez, 15 years now. And mm. I'll probably just go sit there just to allow my body to re-intake all the life that um, was experienced because this last one and a half years does not define us. I think my tendency sometimes is to let it define me now and the rest of my life. So it's that conscious move to say, no, 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 no. I'm so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And kind of to reframe C.S. Lewis, all of the past year and a half cannot hold us. We're too big for it. And so... um I do find it inspiring to talk with you and mm. to um, and to see that these little glimmers of hope is what leads us into life and the light. So Bloom, wherever you are, we do encourage you to reach out. If you um, are in that place where you're feeling like, I cannot get out of this, then please do email us at staff at bloom.church and um, we'll help connect you to a therapist. We do have an offering coming up. It's a four-week support group uh, for those who would like uh, more space 
to talk about the things that are brought up in this podcast. And that will be uh, both in the podcast notes and on our website. So why don't we just um, close with a prayer from the church for those who are hurting, for those who need peace. Bloom, let us pray with the church. Father, you know our hearts and share our sorrows. We are hurt by our parting from those whom we loved. When we are angry at the loss we have sustained, when we long for words of comfort, yet find them hard to hear, turn our grief to truer living, our affliction to firmer hope. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.